So I uh, today even get to start one of the things Pastor Kurt has let me do. Is he said, hey, why don't you go ahead and just start preaching your own sermons? That was one of the things that him and I did together was uh, we, we taught the same sermons. And I'll be honest with you, going out on your own and preaching, um, it, it, I was glad that I, for a, you know, a year and a half that I had a pastor that basically I could walk alongside of and say, I don't know what to talk about. And he basically came up with just really, really great ideas. And so I got to teach with, I got to teach alongside of him. I got to learn how a sermon, you know, gets uh, put together. But, um, you know, now, though, I really, really get to, to really speak from my heart and the things that I believe God's been depositing in me. Uh, and um, so, you know, even starting today, um, you know, this is a sermon series that, that I believe God has put on my heart for us and for you. And uh, we're going to talk about the Trinity. I don't know. Uh, how many of you have, have heard that term before? It's obviously a very Christianese term. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, obviously, I was a big Matrix fan, and so there's even a character. Her name was Trinity. So I don't know when you hear that word, what pops in your head. Uh, but um, I want to talk about what the biblical meaning of, of the word Trinity means. And uh, it's, it's an interesting concept because, to be honest with you, there's, there's really no other religion that has this kind of three-in-one God. Right, so you have your your uh, your Greek and Roman mythology, and they had a, a plethora of gods. Right, they had a, a numerous gods, so they had gods for every you know almost for every situation. They had a god or a goddess for, but um, uh, and then you know there's other religions that have uh, believe in other types of beings and stuff like that. But Christianity is really the only religion where we talk about this three-in-one God, this, this idea of, of a trinity. And to be honest with you, as I was growing up, it was something as, uh, as I was a kid that I, I really didn't give too much thought to. I just kind of just, oh, okay, whatever, I'll, I'll go with it. That there's God the Father, that there is God the Son, and that there's God the Holy Spirit. And, and to be honest with you, um, I, I, it's taken me a long time to really grasp how they all you know, work, worked out together. So I, I kind of wanted to, to show you a little bit of an illustration. I, I'm not telling you this is the perfect illustration, but it's something that popped into my head and it's something that I've, you know, prayed about and researched and truly believe that this is a great uh, picture of, of the Trinity. So, so first of all, let's just take uh, these kind of like three, you know, circles right here. And where the three circles, you know, you have God, right? We, we, God, you know, and in fact, in the more of the Old Testament, they really only uh, uh, kind of focus on, you know, this one God, even though there is mention in the Old Testament about, um, uh, you know, it said, uh, you know, like that the spirit of the Lord would, you know, descend upon somebody um, or the, uh, the angel of the Lord, which we believe was uh, Jesus kind of before, um, you know, he came to earth. So uh, there is mention, and then of course, even in the Old Testament, uh, uh, and right in the beginning in Genesis, you know, uh, the, even the verbiage when when God is creating the heavens and the earth, and they say, "Let's create man," He says, "Let's create man in our image." So even even God Himself is, is using this this idea of, "Okay, wait a minute, what's going on here?" It's not this singular. He wasn't this just standalone person who was just floating about, you know, the cosmos, and, and you know, but there was actually this idea of these, this kind of three in one. So, we obviously, we have God the Father, all right? We, we, we hear that a lot, God the, the Father. And then we have God the, the Son, and we, we know, 
you know, uh, we know from the New Testament who the Son is. Uh, we know that he is, uh, is Jesus Christ. Uh, and then there's this third part of the Trinity. And to be honest with you, I don't think he gets enough attention because it's pre he's pretty amazing. But we also have the Holy Spirit. But there's still one God. But there's three, there, there are three parts, and they're even referred to as kind of the three persons of the Trinity. And I said, okay, well, still, how does that, how do we wrap our minds about how that works? And I feel like I've got an idea for you, all right? I'm going to draw three more circles here. And I'm going to use a family in our church because they, it fits perfectly because uh, there's three of them. But uh, I don't know if you guys all know the, the Van Houtens, right? You guys all know the Van Houtens? Yeah, you guys know the Van Houtens? There's Nick Van Houten back there. I know he, they had no idea I was going to use them as, as part of our illustration. But it, it, it works perfectly. It works perfectly. Now, I don't know if you've met the Van Houtens, uh, but we have Nick, right? I don't know if you guys know this about Nick, but he's a dad, okay? Nick's a dad, all right? And, and uh, Nick, uh, of course, you, you know, you're going to get Nick. You're also going to get Sarah. Woo. Okay. Definitely the, the better uh, of the two, uh, and, but, uh, uh, but uh, uh, Sarah's a mom, right? You know, she's a mom. And of course, if you guys know the Van Houtens, you guys have all met Charlie. Char, L-I-E. Like, is there another way to spell it, or is that just... And Charlie, of course, his, his part of the family is he's their son. So listen, we have the Van Houtens, right? And, and in fact, some have even referred to them as the Van Houtens. And you know that when you say the word Van Houten and say the name Van Houten, that you're talking about this particular family. And, and they do everything together, right? They, they, you know, they live together. And, and the, the connection between the three of them is very, very important. They're all connected, but yet they're also individual parts. And they also have individual roles. That is probably the best way that I could try to describe the, the Trinity to you, that there's this idea of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that even though there's these three personalities, that they're three distinct you know, um, parts of God, but that they're all connected and that they're all still God. Does that make sense at all? Am I helping? Or did I just confuse you more? So another thing I'm obviously trying here is... Uh, using my uh, computer as uh, my notes. Uh, but uh, let me uh, throw a scripture out for you. 1 John 5.7. I, I, I put notes on your, your thing if you want to write down. I apologize. As you can see, we do not have any projection yet, which we are still currently working on. Uh, but uh, write this uh, scripture down, and you can go uh, read it or make notes in your, in your, on your phone. 1 John 5.7. So John, John writes this. For there are three... That bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, which is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. There are three personalities and the three parts of God, but they are unified. Just like the Van Houtens. They're unified. They're, they're, they're a family unit. They're going to do everything together. They, that is why the family unit is so important, you guys. That is why the enemy is constantly trying to rip families apart. That is why the enemy is constantly trying to rip husbands and wives apart and children and parents apart. Because, as you can see, when they're together, what are they a reflection of? God himself. 
That is why it is so important to protect the family. That is why, men, it is so important to protect your marriage. Women, that is why it is so important to protect your marriage. Because we are a reflection of God himself. Today we're specifically uh, going to talk about God the Father, okay? Next week we'll talk about God the Son. We'll look at uh, Jesus the Messiah. Uh, and, then, and then the third week we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about each parts of these personalities. So I would like uh, uh, first to just pause for a second and tell you that I understand... That when we talk about God the Father, that there may be some of you out there, just like me, who did not grow up with the best representation of a father, right? In fact, immediately when you hear me say the word father, there's, there, there's emotions that, that rise up in you instantly, and you almost have to kind of get a hold of it because it stirs things inside of you. Now, there may be others of you who experience the exact relationship with your dad that God, our Father, desires to have with you. That closeness, that, that protection, that, that, that person there who's, who's, who's guiding you, who's, who's, who's you know, giving you everything that you need, who's blessing you. you know. we, we all have different, but just specifically, my father, when I was seven years old, my, my mom and dad, and I'm going to share the story, and, and I want you to know I'm okay with it now. It's something that I've worked through, and I've gone to counseling for. So when you hear me share the story, you know, don't think, oh man, Matt, boy, that poor guy, I hope he's okay. I'm okay, I think. <laughs> and I want to share a very sad story, but I want you to know everything's cool with my parents now. It's, it's, it's all, it's, everything's all good. I love both my mom and my dad. We have great relationships now. But this is what happened to me. On one evening, I don't even remember the day of the week, but I'll never, ever forget it. My mom and my dad decided to take my brother and I to Chuck E. Cheese. Right? What in the world are they thinking? And guess what they decided to tell us at Chuck E. Cheese? They were getting a divorce. Why in the world would they take us to Chuck E. Cheese and tell us that they're getting a divorce? But I think in their mind, they wanted to take us somewhere that was happy so that when they were going to lay down this news to us that they thought maybe that would soften the blow. I did not step in a Chuck E. Cheese until I was in my 20s. Because it was really hard. And it sucked. And to be honest with you, I was really mad at them for doing something like that to me. I'm okay. <laughs> but, but all I had at seven years old was the picture of my dad saying, I don't want to be part of this family anymore. And, and my world was turned upside down. All of that all of the feelings of security that I felt up until that point vanished that night. I instantly, fear entered my life, uh, insecurity, uh, wondering what you know, the next day was going to look like. I never experienced those emotions until my dad left that night. And I literally remember him driving away. And again, it's another image that I'll never be able to get out of my mind and it sucks. But it's the truth. So I had this, this picture and it was the only thing that I ever understood is a dad walking away saying, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I don't want to be a part. And this is not what he said to me, but it's, it's, it's what I took by his actions is that I don't want to be in your life anymore. And it literally set a course for my life from, from, from then on. You know, all the struggles I went through and when I became a teenager and all the, the rebellion and everything that I experienced all hinged on that one night. But that is not 
who God our Father is. And I'll, I'm going to be very, very honest with you. It took me a long time to understand that because there was a long time that I was very angry at God. And there was a very long time that I did not speak to God. And there was a very long time that even though I might have gone to church, I could care less what he thought. I could care less what God was trying to say to me because my only vision, my only picture of a father, and every time someone would say father, the only picture was my dad driving off saying, I don't want to be a part of your life anymore. So, of course, I'm going to relate that to God, but that is not who God is. If you have your Bibles with you or even if you have your, your smartphones, open them to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Again, we don't have PowerPoint, so I can't let you... Read along, but if you have your, your phones, your apps, your, your Bibles, uh, Luke chapter 15, we're going to look at one of the most famous stories in the New Testament, story that Jesus told, but it is the perfect picture of who God the Father is. And you may have heard this story a million times, but I don't think you can overhear it because it's a constant reminder of how much God loves us. Luke chapter 15, I'm going to read in the New Living uh, Translation. I hope that's what I put on here. It's either the New King James or the New Living, because those are the two that I like to read. So I apologize, I didn't put which one I... Uh, Luke chapter 15, the parable of the lost son. So Jesus is explaining what the kingdom of God is like. He's explaining, because see, people have lost... what their representation or their idea of who God is, and they, you know, it's, it's kind of you know, blurry. So Jesus is saying, listen, this is what the kingdom of God is like. This is who your God, the Father, is. So let's look at this story. Starting in verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Oh, this is the New Living Translation. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. No one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and I will say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. 
Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what is going on? Your brother is back, he said, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. There's three characters in this story. There's, there's the father, and then there's the two sons. And I'm really, really not going to focus on the two sons today. I really, really want to focus on the father in this story. First of all, the first thing that happens is the younger son comes to him and says, I want my inheritance now, which, by the way, that, that's not how it worked in, in, in this culture. You, you didn't get the inheritance until, until your, your father it was either, one, retired, or two, that he had passed on. And he was neither. He had neither retired nor had he passed on. And so he was not supposed to. But his son comes to him and basically says, I wish you were dead. Give me my money now. And the father lovingly says, sure. Here, take it. And and of course we know what he does. In fact, this is probably the most familiar part to all of us. Is he goes and he lives a life that he thinks he wants. He goes and he he spends all of his money on all the things that the world has to offer. And yet none of it satisfies him. In fact, he even comes to the end of himself when he has nothing left. And there's only one place that he knows he can turn back to. And he turns back home. One of the most beautiful pictures in the entire Bible is this picture right here. That as he's coming home... As literally, he's probably, you know, smells, his clothes are probably tattered because he's been living with pigs. You know, he's got, obviously, it says that he had no shoes on his feet. He was probably filthy. And he's walking home hoping that he can just get a job with his dad. But it says, while he was still far off, his dad was standing there waiting for him. That means he had probably gone out there every night. I can imagine that this dad must have walked miles and miles out away from his house, looking to the road that it, the last time that he saw his son walk. And he probably would walk out there, hoping that he would see him come up over the horizon. And there's that day. There's that one glorious day. And I would imagine that that father prayed every single night that his son would come home. And there it is. And then it says not only he doesn't just stand there and wait for his son to come. It says that he runs to him. Which, by the way, again, you know, the the father, the the, the head of the household, you know, the, the one everybody looked up to and respected. This was not common practice. You know, you would come to them. You know, you as the, the, the servant or as the children or as what you came to dad. Dad didn't necessarily come running to you. But in this picture... God's heart is seen and he goes running after his son and embraces him. Even before his son asks for anything, he embraces him 
And of course his son repents. And of course his son says, listen, dad, if I can even be one of your servants. And his dad doesn't even acknowledge that. He says, son, come home. We're going to have a party for you. We are going to celebrate that you are back. That is the picture of our God. That is the picture of our father, our loving father. That is how much he loves you. So here's some words. Here's some words for you to, to write down. Let me see if I can do this. The first word is... Yeesh. It is tissue. The first word is... He... Forgives. He's a forgiving father. He is a forgiving father. That is the first thing your father God wants to do in your life. Psalms 103. This is David. This is King David writing this. In Psalms 103, starting in verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not, forget and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Listen, God is a father who wants to forgive you and he wants to heal you. That is in his nature. It is in his very nature. Just like this father, that he was waiting for his son to come home. He had already forgiven his son. Do you understand? He didn't forgive him in that moment of embracing him. He had already forgiven him because he was out there on the road. So this wasn't about was he going to forgive him or not. He had already been given forgiveness. He just needed to come back to his father and receive it. That's our story. You've already been forgiven. God has already forgiven you your sins. He's already forgiven you all the terrible things that you've done. But you need to come to him and receive that forgiveness. David knew firsthand about God's forgiveness, you guys. David was an idolater. He, he, he had a man killed to hide his sin of idolatry. David, David knew about needing to be forgiven. David knew how disgusting his sin was, but how great God was. The next word that our father is is patient. He's patient. He's a patient God. The one thing that I have seen in the Old Testament or in the New Testament is God gives ample opportunity for people to repent. Not only does he give ample time, but then he sends people to warn you. Hey, you're going down the wrong path. Hey, hey, that, don't do that because that, what you're doing is only going to lead to destruction. God is such a loving father that he's going to warn you when you're going the wrong way. You're not going to be caught off guard. You're not going to be like, oh, I, I didn't know. No, you do know. Because he's a patient God. He's a very patient God. And how much patience did that father in the story must have had going out there every night? And you know what? Some of you may be the parent in this story. There may be people in this room that you're, you're the parent and you, it's your child who's out there. Forgives and he's also patient. Patient. 
Psalms 145.8 says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. Slow to anger. I used to have this picture of God that the moment I messed up, that he was up there with a lightning bolt or a big baseball bat, that the moment I sinned, that he was just going to be like, boom, you're done. Uh, and to be honest with you, I, I don't know where that came from. I, it's just my own guilt, my own shame, my own, you know, whatever it was. But that's not who God is. It's not what God wanted for me, but he was patient with me. For years and years and years, he was patient with me. For years and years and years, he just kept going, it's okay, Matt, one day, one day. God, our Father, always gave the children of Israel time to repent before he would unleash his judgment. You may hear stories in, 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 in the Old Testament about God, you know, and his judgment against Israel. But read those stories carefully because it was, he, it, I mean, it was literally sometimes generations that he would give opportunity for them to repent. He would send prophets in to tell them, repent, turn away, get rid of your, you know, your idols and get rid of your sin. The third word, the, the third word that our God, our father is is loving. He is a loving father. This is one that's tough for me. This is one that was very, very tough for me. Because again, I didn't have a very loving dad growing up. He's a, he's a loving dad now, but he, he, he wasn't when I was young. He was very harsh. He was going through his own stuff. He, he had his own demons that he was wrestling with. And he was, he's kind of a, a very angry guy. And, 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 you know, and that's kind of the only side I saw. Or I just saw the absent dad. There was you know, weeks and weeks and weeks that I wouldn't see him, uh, you know, even when it was his, uh, his weekend to come see me. But God is a loving father, and we see it in this story. But John 3.16 says this, and you all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved you that he made a way out for you. You see, when sin enters the world and when we sin, the, there's payment for that sin. We can't get around that. We can't get around the fact that there's sin in your life and that, that that sin has to be paid for. But God loved you so much that he said, you know what? You don't have to pay that debt. I'm going to send my son. This is how much I love you that I'm going to sacrifice my own son for you. That's a, amazing. I'm telling you right now, I have two daughters. I am not sacrificing my two daughters for you. Right? Those of you who are parents or those of you who are aunts and uncles or have, you know, little ones in your life, you understand that, right? You're not going to sacrifice your own children. But God did. He sacrificed his own son for you. We most often equate love with Jesus, but that love also came from the father himself who gave up his own son. The next word is, generous he's a generous god he's a generous god this is that whole you know he gives he gives good gifts oh, i'm talking i can't talk and write at the same time generous he's a generous god matthew 7 11 if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father who is in heaven give you good things to those who ask he just wants relationship with you. He just wants relationship with you. 
Father God only withholds things that are harmful to us. If you feel like, why is God keeping this thing from me? I really want that. Why is he keeping that? God only withholds things that are going to be harmful to you in, maybe in that moment in your life. I experienced that. There, there was a, a huge, huge dream I had, and I've, I've talked about it, and I, I don't want to necessarily get into the details of, of the dream, but, but God took it away from me, and I'm actually glad he did because I think further down the road it could have destroyed me. I could have... I could have became very, very arrogant and prideful. It was hard then, but looking back, I'm really, really glad that it didn't happen, even though I still believe it was something that God had given me. But he's a generous God. He freely gave his son, and he freely gives the Holy Spirit. That's, those are two things he's never going to withhold from you. He's never going to withhold forgiveness, he's never going to withhold his love, and he's never going to withhold his Holy Spirit, who's going to guide you. Now that I'm a father, I understand these attributes of God. But, but one thing I, I do want to talk about that this story doesn't necessarily talk about. But in Psalm 68.5, it says that he's a father to the fatherless. There's this whole aspect of God that it's not just with his own children, but that he's also an adoptive God. And we, we see this really in the New Testament more, even though I believe his heart never changed. But God has a heart for even people that may not even be a part of his family. That's why it wasn't just the Jews that Jesus came for. He also came for the Gentiles. By the way, you guys, that's us. Unless you're Jewish in here. The rest of us, were the Gentiles. We have all been adopted into his family. In fact, I love the, the term, we've all been grafted. And I don't know if you know that term grafted, but um, they, they use it for uh, uh, when they're um, repairing vines uh, and things like that, they can actually graft another vine into another, uh, you know, let's say a part of the vine is dying, they'll take another healthy piece of a vine that's all on its own, and they will literally graft it into it, and it will become part of that vine. These two separate things could actually become one. That God loves us so much that he's even a, a father that is, is a father to those who are the outsiders, and he wants to bring them in. I love Romans 8.15 says this. Uh, Paul, Paul wrote this. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. Now we call him Abba Father. And we say, oh, I, there it is. Now we call him Abba Father. And I want to explain to you what that word Abba means and I, I kind of want to show you the, the significance of it because it's kind of powerful. First, there's the, this word father, which we're all, all familiar with. But father really equals, it's kind of more of a, a title, right? I, I didn't do well in spelling, you guys. I'm so sorry. So I got to think. And, and my writing, that, that is an L. Father is more of a title. Okay, It's more of a position. That person is my father. It still doesn't... It still doesn't explain the relationship that we have. Because you can have a father in your life, but it doesn't necessarily signify the relationship. But the word Abba does. The word Abba is a word that, that has to do with... Oh, God, here we go. Close. Is there an E? Closeness. Is that right? Thank you. Thanks for helping. Abba is a word... 
that the, the, uh, the, the, the Hebrew people would use. And it was a word that, that as a baby you would first utter. It's like saying dada or papa. It, it signified closeness. It was only something that, you know, if you had relationship with your father, that you called him. You called him Abba. Because it meant that there was this connection, that there was this closeness. And it was, would have been the first word that have come out of your mouth when you were introduced, you know, when you were old enough to start speaking. So when, when the Bible refers to God as Abba Father, it's he's saying not just a title or a position that he holds in your life, but there's also a closeness of relationship that he wants with you. He wants to be your Abba Father. He doesn't just want to be your, your God. Jesus referred to God as Father several times in the Gospels. Mark 14, 36, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but your will be done. And even in the Lord's Prayer, he starts it off by saying, Our Father. Our Father. He's our Father. I want to try something uh, new today. And, and, and uh, Nick, maybe you can even put on a little uh, background music while we're doing this. I want to do something... Uh, now that we're in the cafeteria, I want to use this time to get to know each other better. I want to use this time to fellowship. Because to be honest with you, you know, the theater, I love the theater. I, I, I mean, I, it's, to me, that's like the most ideal place to have church. Uh, and I love it. But it, it's just you staring at me, listening to me talk. And it doesn't necessarily mean you guys are building relationships with each other. And so one of the things, why, since we're in these kind of these table settings and we have coffee and all that kind of stuff, I want to start giving about 10 minutes of our time to just kind of fellowshipping a little. So we're, we're going to have, uh, not, it won't be every week, but it'll probably be three weeks uh, out of the four. We're going to do what we're going to call table talk, okay? And you're going to be able to do one of two things. If you are around a table and you don't know the other people at your table, use this opportunity to get to know those people. So just ask them their names, ask them what they do for a living or where they live or, you know, just, just, have, just have some table talk. Uh, if you're at a table where you are very familiar with the people around you, then I've got some uh, uh, topic questions for you based on what we just talked about. So here they are. Someone better write this down at your table. I'll, I'll try to write them up on the board uh, while you guys are having your table talk. The first one is, question number one. Based on these points, how have you seen God the Father in your life? Meaning, have you seen him being a forgiving father, a patient father, a loving father, a generous father? Have you seen that in your life? And by the way, the, the answer could be no. Uh, and did your, so, uh, question number two. Question number two, did your earthly father play a part in how you view God? Did your earthly father play a part in how you view God? Question number three, and this is the final question. In what way can you allow God to be more of a father to you in your life? How, how can you um, let him be more of a father in your life? Uh, only because I'm seeing, I, I want you two to go at this table. Only because that would be perfect. It looks like everybody's got a pretty full table. Yes? Okay, so we're going to spend 10 minutes, and uh, it, again, if you don't know the people at your table, just use it as an opportunity to go get a cup of coffee, sit, ask each other some questions, or I'm going to write the questions on the board um, uh, uh, if you'd like to get a little deeper with the people at your table and talk about the thing. So, go!
Service. So here's the thing. If you're enjoying who you're talking with, go do lunch. You know, uh, go do lunch with them and, and continue the conversation. Doesn't need to stop, doesn't need to end, uh, but obviously we want to con conclude our service because uh, we, we got to get out of here. Um, but I, I really want you to walk away today with that peace in your heart of knowing that God is for you, not against you, okay? That God is on your side. And those four words only scratch the surface of how amazing he is. Those are just four points from the story. It doesn't, it's not an all-encompassing who God is. He's so much more. So don't be afraid to get to know him more. Don't be afraid to, like I said, humble yourself more and allow him to come into every part of your life.
as we conclude our, our, our time together, um, I, my, my, my vision and my, my heart is that as a church, we would draw closer together, that we really would. I, I, I don't want anybody to be a stranger here. I don't want anybody to feel an outsider. Um, I want us all to be a family. Um, and I want you to know that this is a place you can come to uh, to feel safe, um, uh, be encouraged, and again, know that that has that mercy, that God's mercy that's new every morning is available for you every single time, every single morning, every single day. So thank you guys for coming. I know it, was, it looks different. It, it, it's a lot of change, and, and um, but I really had a great time in here. Um, just a quick little note. So this was a lot of setup. In fact, we actually started yesterday, which we're not going to be able to do every week. If you're able to stick around for a little bit and help us kind of, it's, I mean, everything in here is kind of pretty much staying in here except this stuff back here. Uh, but the tables and chairs and stuff, but it has to be arranged back for the cafeteria. And, uh, and we want to be good um, guests in their cafeteria. So we would like your help, if you can, putting it back together. If you got kids, please go get your kids first. Uh, but if, if you have a, a, a few moments just to help us put things back together, um, to be honest with you, we don't know exactly, so we're going to ask the um, custodian to come back in here. So once he gets in here, his name's Louis, um, I think, I believe he's wearing a hat this morning and he's got a goatee. Once he get him in here, he'll be able to kind of point where everything goes. Um, but don't be afraid to ask uh, one of us and our leadership, you know, just, but uh, that would help. Um, and then coming in the uh, weeks to come, we'll try to put together teams of people and we'll, it'll get down to a rhythm. But um, that would be a huge, huge help. So uh, if you don't mind standing and just grabbing hands with the people around you. So it's obviously more apparent than ever that church isn't about a building because you can put us in any room in this school and we're going to have church and God's presence is going to be here. The God's presence isn't just in the theater or it's not just in the church down the street. We can meet in the cafeteria. But I also don't want you to ever forget that you didn't just come to church, that you're holding hands with the church. The church is people and we need each other. I need you and we need each other. So please know that you are the church. And our world desperately needs the church to be out there exposing the light and, and, and preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And by the way, sharing this love, this same love that's been given to us, sharing it with the people around us in our communities, in our schools, in our city. So just remember that you're holding hands with the church. So let's be the church this week to somebody. Amen? Amen. Bless you. Have a great day. Love you. Uh, again, if, if you don't mind uh, sticking around and, and helping us, that would be awesome. See you guys all next week.